hey, just wanted to mention in this episode, there's a word or two that people with very sensitive ears maybe don't want to hear. It's nothing really too bad, but I think we say it more than once, so I guess technically this episode would be rated R. But there's actually a really good reason for it, and we're not just getting spicy, although well, that's not 100% true either. There is a point at which we get a little bit spicy, and but that's, that's a separate issue. Anyway, there's a pretty good reason for it, but I just wanted to mention it in case that's not really your thing. And you can go and check out one of our earlier episodes. You can find the last 20 on your podcast feed. You can find our entire back catalog at kmuw.org if you You'd rather listen to one of those, or if you just haven't heard them before. All right, let's do this. Nuclear. Now, was it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Cellar door, cellar door, cellar door, cellar door, cellar. Hey, guys, I'm still not hearing it. It's been a couple of weeks since we talked about this, and and it's still not the most beautiful word, word or I guess phrase really in the English language to me. But there's a very good reason that I'm bringing that back up again today, uh, not just to disagree with you yet again, uh, but because uh, we are going to sort of continue what we what we started to get into a few weeks back and talking about. About the sounds of language and uh, words. And Kathy, you had a specific term that you gave us uh, talking about this, talking about how words sound and the beauty or the ugliness of them. Okay, well, the beauty side is phonesthetics. Um, that's a study of, of the sounds of words that, that evoke a, a, a pleasantry in you, that you, you like how it sounds. They sound beautiful. And they don't necessarily, the one thing I've got to say is, it can just be sounds. We're going to talk both about specific words, a la cellador, but also there are certain sounds that seem to evoke a good feeling, whereas there are others that are not, like they're the most reviled words, if you will, or the most reviled sounds. Um, actually, can I chuck in something right here when we were talking about cellar door being phonesthetically very pleasing and Fletcher not thinking it did? <laughs> One thing I was just thinking about were the people who said that cellar door was the most beautiful word, or two, two beautiful words in the English language were mostly British. Yep, that's it. And they would not have pronounced the R. It would have been cellador, as in, S, just think of S-E-L-A-D-O-R, which sounds sort of pretty. If I might interject, however, Mr. Cellador, Dorothy Parker picked it, H.L. <laughs> uh, Mencken, <laughs> Those now neither of them George R R Martin. <laughs> Hello, uh, they're well, not Brits. <laughs> George, if George R R Martin did it, he's just doing it because Tolkien said so. That's what I think. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're gonna get in trouble, Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, George. I know I, he, he's a big fan of the podcast, so I you know I, I didn't mean to insult you there. George. <laughs> okay. Also, can I throw in something though about the other two people? As Fletcher would undoubtedly know, watching being a film buff, watching old films from the like 30s and 40s, i.e. Mencken and Dorothy Parker, roughly their era, a little bit maybe, or a little bit later than their era, they would a lot of times be um, 
non-rhotic. They may not really pronounce the R that much. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Actually, you're right. I'm just thinking of, because they had that upper crust sort of like, yeah. sort of like a Catherine Hepburn. Exactly. Yep. I would argue. And, yeah. th- and this is all, okay. this is all what I was thinking too about Cellar Door was that it was probably British people who, who were so enamored by it uh, and and that dropping that R really actually does make a difference. You're right about that. Cellar Door, Cellar Door uh, sounds a lot nicer than Cellar Door. Mm-hmm. It yeah, sounds Cellador. very Tolkien. Well, say it like in a bad accent. Yeah, Cellador. Cellador. That's really bad. <laughs> Cellador. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is, I, I mean, we're, we're separating, of course, the sounds from what the word actually means. And the more you're able to do that, the easier it is to hear Cellador, at least, as, as something that is that is kind of beautiful. Thinking about a cellar door obviously doesn't really mean a lot to us. But when you are able to separate that, there there is some, some beauty to it. And we kind of find patterns, right? That different mm-hmm. different kinds of words sound more or less beautiful to us. Actually, that's really interesting because the linguist David Crystal, and I think we have to be careful here because he's British, and words, I mean, sounds do sound somewhat differently. He took a long list of words, some chosen by uh, the lexicographer Will- Wilfred Willard Funk, Sunday Times Reader's Poll, a poet. He picked their favorite words. And the, the, what they thought they were the most pleasant sounding words. He took those words and then he analyzed them phonetically and tried to figure out which sounds in terms of percentages are used more often than not in pleasant sounding words. He came up with some really interesting um, observations. For example, um, he found that English speakers, the sound sl, S-L, like is in sleazy or slug, tends to evoke an unpleasant reaction you don't i mean again though there are gonna be certain words that start with an sl that people like but for whatever reason the sl sound tended to be more negatively uh assessed can i add to that actually it was really interesting was that in almost all cases consonants next to each other did not evoke pleasant sounds did not evoke pleasant words to people people tended to prefer he found Basically, apparently, three-syllable words were the most commonly chosen among the, the most beautiful-sounding uh, words. And interestingly enough, there is an enormously higher frequency of the letters L, M, S, N, R. And then he said, okay, well, why are those letters bigger than others? And he found out that those con—I'm talking about consonants right now. Those consonants are tended to be, not all the time, tended to be what are called continuants. You kind of move the air through. They kind of like glide through your mouth. There are other things called plosives and, affric- and fricatives and affricatives where you either kind of s or you stop the word completely. And in those cases, um, those tended to be less common. For example, L is used in terms of letter frequency in a regular sort of stream of, of uh, words 3.66% of the time. He found in words that people chose pleasantly, it's used five times more frequently, 15.65 or whatever. And I thought that was really interesting. Certain letters evoke pleasant imagery, whereas other letters evoke ugly imagery. We were talking about, because we were saying that like like words that end with, as Ross said, a, a, a plosive, like a, the hard k or whatever, tend to, he was saying they're ugly. And he said, he, he brought up fuck. And I said, I've never actually thought of it as on its own, one of the ugliest words in the English language. And I use it, I've got to be honest with you, in in times of stress and and irritation. But 
then we started talking about it and I said that I didn't think like cluck to me is not an ugly word. Ross thinks cluck, you said Ross, you think of cluck as ugly. I actually, it was funny because when I read the um, the Crystal article, I actually really agreed with with his discoveries and I'm an American speaker, American English speaker, and I do think that cluck sounds ugly, but I'm going to add something really interesting. Um, if you look at male and female names, female names tend to follow what Crystal saw as, you know, his statistical analysis of pleasant sounding names. A lot of male names, particularly male nicknames, tend to follow the the F-U-C-K pattern, as it will, using plosives. For example, oh, Bob. Chuck, Mick. Yeah, Chuck, Mick, Nick. Kit, Kit Carson. I Dick. mean, particularly like, you know, cowboy names or whatever. Except for Roy Rogers, which yeah. someone commented is a really bad name for a cowboy if you're going to do um, this sort of analysis. But I think it's sort of interesting. And I mean, I remember that as a kid, there was this guy named Thorne Bertrand. It's a beautiful name. It was a big, muscular, handsome, just a great guy. And I thought that was one of the... I wanted to be named Thorne. I loved that. But interestingly enough, the TH sound, according to the crystal analysis, is very rarely used in pleasant-sounding names. But I would argue in this case, with men, we have like an instinctive liking for the... In effect, the bad day, the bad sounds. Well, this is what I was just going to say, Russ. The thing that gets me is, and I, I'm not now. I'm not talking about crystal. I'm talking about another study I had read. Is a lot of times the sounds um, are are evocative. You do get. It's not the sound itself, but it's what it reminds you of that makes it either a pleasant sound or an unpleasant sound. So I'm wondering if names you don't think as much of the of the non proper word, if you will. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe like. Like the the hard K is ugly when you think of like fuck, but it's not ugly when you think of like Mark for whatever reason. I actually, it's interesting you're saying that because I thought of that, but I sort of disagree. I was thinking about it in a different way. I was thinking that we, I mean, traditional male, female gender identities, we tend to associate feminine names with like, with soft, murmuring, beautiful things. And we want maybe in- Kathy? <laughs> no, Ross. I never, I never thought of you as soft and murmuring. Anyway, so, I think you're well named, but I do think that to some degree, like Kit, to some degree, Kit Carson, I think you want like as a cowboy, tough. He can fight. So you say like you know we we end up swearing when we want to be tough and fight, and I think it's a male sort of warrior type of uh, fixation. I, I actually think you're getting you're treading on thin ice there with this gender thing because I've I've known many girls named Kit. A cat. I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think that the sounds actually. The I would say with names, often, especially not, but often, the male female names are virtually the same in terms of in terms of what we're we're going way off field here. But I read it. I can't find it now. I'm just frantically looking for it, but I can't find it. But I did read <laughs> something that indicated that more that statistically, your Kathy is right. The problem with language is it's messy. We can say one thing and then we then we blow it with another. But I did read somewhere that feminine names tend to have more of the uh, fun aesthetically pleasing sounds, and male names statistically tend not to. And there are thousands of exceptions. But that's what I had read. I can't really. I've never actually really done a statistical survey to see. But I do wonder about that. But what is interesting, going back to just the sounds themselves, so like we're saying so far, based on various studies, not just Crystal, I think we should clarify that, because this is not just one guy saying this. Many have said certain 
certain like closing sounds like p like things like p's and b's and d's sound too sudden to people the k's sound too harsh or guttural right this is so those words tend to be or those sounds tend to be looked at with more aversion than than softer ones right exactly but as usual we have to also be very careful because there also there's a meaning a lot of times that we can't un we just can't help it that we stick to the word. I think someone put up, according to a matrix of criteria, I think it was Crystal actually, flatulent is a very theoretically pleasant sounding word. But I don't think flatulent or phlegmatic really make me happy in the sense, because I think of flatulent, you know, I associate it with farting. So it's not a pleasant sounding word to me. Let's go back to what we actually talked about uh, uh, a few weeks back and talk about those GL words. When you think of light, that seems like a pleasant type of thing uh, to, to be feeling, to be thinking about. But when you think of a word like gleam or glow, I don't think those are very pretty sounding words. No, and that's the interesting thing. Like I said earlier, the one interesting thing have been most words that we like do not have consonant clusters in it. There's no, we, we, I have no idea why. Most words that sound really good to us, we have like basically a consonant uh, vowel, consonant vowel, three syllables, consonant vowel, consonant vowel, consonant vowel, or vowel, consonant, vowel, consonant. We do not have those clusters together. I have no idea why. What I had seen actually is that it, and this is just one theory, is that it's it's related to sort of like you want to be free and untrammeled, like body movement. You like like running is pleasurable, you know what I mean, or jumping. And that like talking is the same thing. You, we tend to like things that, that are unconstrained. And like the, the consonant things are more constrained, whereas like, you know, sort of like a, a smooth sort of more valley sound isn't. It sort of flows and that that is pleasing to us. For the same reason, like like modern dance, I guess doing it or dancing is fun. You know, I don't know about you know clog dancing sounds harder. <laughs> you know what I mean. Clog dancing sounds ugly too. <laughs> a nice S curve is, is a lot more pleasant than a right angle. Yes. Yes, exactly, and that's what I, I think. There is that theory that part of it is just that feeling when you're saying it is more pleasant. So you find you think the word also sounds more pleasant or the sound. Yeah, I think that definitely is Which it. Which seems reasonable to me. Yeah, it is completely. And it was interesting in that sense, too, because Kathy mentioned the flow, and there are very few favorite words or fun aesthetically pleasing words that are one syllable. As I said, they're mostly three syllable because there's a when you have one syllable, you stop. Three syllables, you're flowing through the you're word. Right. I'm just looking at like, I pulled out lists of many words. I was just curious, like different studies, and they're all unscientific. These are just people ask what are their favorite words, you know, what words sound the nicest. And you're absolutely right, Ross. They're all, um, most, they're almost all multisyllable, whereas I have a list of the, the most unpleasant words, and it's things like chunk, glop. Yeah, it's interesting. Consonant clusters and single letter and single syllable. Yeah. I did a, a very limited and very unscientific survey of my own, just kind of asking people, you know, what are the words that, that you like the sound of the most? What are the ones you like the least? And some of the, the, the most uh, liked words, the prettiest sounding words that came up were something like mellifluous, uh, sensuous, umbrella, interestingly, influenza, Ooh, umbrella. even. Um, but all of these with multiple syllables, right? Three or four syllable words. All... Check out all these not-so-pretty or ugly-sounding words. We've got clank, bang, whiz, clop, smash, screech, uh, stink, glom, right? All of these are sing uh, single-syllable words. There were a couple, though, 
And interestingly, they both start with W. Whir and wand both came up as as more pretty sounding words. That's interesting. Well, that would make sense for because like whir and wand sort of like go whoo again. It's like the, it's got that like fluidity. I would argue that most of the ones that we like have a certain for whatever reason level of fluidity in the sound. Am I right? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sure seems that way. One interesting thing that I noticed, though, too, with that, you just said it, and I remember reading it somewhere, that long, people think that long vowels would be set. They were asked, some scientists asked people what kind of vowels would be heard most often in beautiful sounding words. And people mentioned long vowels. And actually, it's not true. It's short vowels. And I was just thinking when you said gleam, gloom, and all, they don't sound pretty, and those are all long vowels. It's, again, short vowels that sound beautiful, I think, to some degree. Well, now, that's odd, because I had read that long vowels, and this is a study that was done at Vassar, I think. Um, they had found that long vowels are, gen- I'm looking at it right now, long vowels are generally preferred to the short ones, although short E is very popular. Um, that Long vowels are considered more musical. And, like, the tone quality, I'm reading this, has more time to be appreciated so it's, it's got a musical sort of thing. Here I have four of the, uh, this and this statistical analysis, the exact opposite, which again shows how unscientific this all is or how spotty it is. So four I say the, the hell with it. <laughs> I'm going with what I like, Salador. <laughs> how about this? Which, which, which sounds better to you, phone or fun? That's a tough one. I was going to say, I think fun. Fun. But is it because I think fun? Like it's like fun. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Okay, pretend I'm, or moan or mun. I'm just trying to think. Okay, now if it's moan or mun, I like moan. With phone or fun, I like fun, which is because I think I know fun is fun. <laughs> it is hard to what separate. What do you think? I like mun. You like mun better than moan? Whatever. The one I think the one thing I can say with my study, I just looked at it, though, are diphthongs are counted as separately from long vowels. Diphthongs are like I or, you know, A. So that could be the difference. They could be counting that as a long vowel in Kathy's study and not in my study. But again, we're going back to the one key factor. I think it's a lot of, um, there's a lot of conjecture with this. And I think Kathy found something interesting, though. She said that apparently phonesthesia does go across boundaries. You said national boundaries with words and stuff, Catherine? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, and other countries have their favorite sounding words or the most, what are considered the most beautiful sounds, you know, as well. But didn't you say there was a similarity in sounds across cultures or not? Nabokov uh, chose, um, or Nabokov, how do you pronounce, I always, that's the one we even talked about. We did talk, I always forget. (laughs) We had a whole episode on that. (laughs) (laughs) Can we rewind here? (laughs) The guy who wrote Lolita said... (laughs) picked Tosca. Okay, that's interesting because that that would not fit the criteria that we were just talking about. Because the reason I'm asking you that is I looked no. up, I got an Arabic, um, the most beautiful words in Arabic from um, a uh, Beirut blog. And they had words that I don't think, uh, Azhar sounds nice. Does that sound nice to you all or not? Yeah, it's all right. That's fine. I, I'm neutral. But that was the interesting because they had words that I, I think sound nice, but I don't think people would think would sound like El, El, El Sarab, El Sarab. Well, I go back to old Nabokov or Nabokov or Vladimir with Tosca is not one of my favorite sounding words. That's fine, but I, I, it's nothing to write home about. No, shauk, longing. I don't think that's beautiful at all in English. Okay, now, so if I might interject now, this is where I think we get into the whole thing, aside from all the science, scientific, like these vowels sound like this and blah, 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 pleasant on the ear. The whole thing that a great part of it is 
our our relation to the word. So do we hear like sounds and there's a lot of ugly things that end with and that makes the ending in unpleasant. Like I think does is a cutting sound and no matter what culture language you're in, like a sound, this it's like anomatopoeia, the sound of cutting is 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 as opposed to like something round is more rub. You know, I mean, I do think that's that's that. I mean, it's nature. Yeah, and then probably a cuss sound would not be as pleasant of a sound to us for the cutting aspect of it. I agree. Mm-hmm. Which I'm thinking of since I slit my finger the other day. So it's it's on my mind. But the, what gets me, though, is sometimes the, the pleasantness or whatever. One of the studies I read was talking about without being aware of it, sounds evoke something. Like, um, ogre, people said it reminded them of a fairy tale. And they said, okay, that's obviously from ogre. But then like certain things like ife always felt sharp. And then you think, oh, a knife, even though you have life, you have strife. So, I mean, with, I think without trying certain sounds evoke something in you that you're not aware that you're thinking, but this, because of the repetition, you think that. Oh, I completely agree with that. It's interesting. That gets into brand names too. We were chatting a little bit about brand names because brand names get into phonesthesia there too. And I think one of the ones that really got me was... Um, and it's gotten a number of people, was Altria. For, I think it was Philip Morris, some tobacco company, changed the name to Altria. And Altria sort of evokes a Latin kind of high or something good, and it takes away from the idea of carcinogens. And then the other one that got a couple of people was Viagra for an erectile dysfunction drug. Viagra, I mean, it has vim, vigor, and then maybe Niagara too, I don't know. I gotta ask you guys this, because there were three sounds that, in this one study I saw that most a lot of people said this that reminded them of certain things and I can't figure out why okay oig what does oig oig remind you of for whatever reason or how do you feel about it I don't like it and it's not nice sounding I don't I don't know that it conjures an image or anything for me oig okay people said it reminded them of a sickly grin not at all and I'm trying to find that and oif oif reminded them of a giant (laughs) <laughs> isn't that weird maybe O for something from that ha, okay yeah maybe Oif. well it also sounds sort of like doity doity like a big sort of dumb giant I don't know why my giant's talking like that but he is can I throw one out like now too I'm curious about this there was a study done here at, U of T- at University of Toronto and it's the uh, Fleen Floon study and I'm just curious I asked a bunch of people in the study it didn't corroborate that the idea is that if you have a if you have a um, city near wherever you live, and there are two other cities called one's called Fleen and one's called Floon, and which city is closer to your city, Fleen or Floon? Yeah, I th- I think I think Fleen maybe. Okay, the idea was that the e sound indicates closeness, and the u sound indicates you guys passed their test. I asked my wife, and she said, Floon, of course, which really destroyed everything. <laughs> okay, now this I'm going to go to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a big jump right now. I'm going to take a floon into um, this. Is, I, I think we talked about this, mentioned it before, but I just wanted to talk about it. The, the word that is most often brought up as the ugliest word in the English language. Okay. What would you say is one of the ugliest words in the English language? Okay, I'll just say, is moist horrible for you? The word moist. I don't find the word terribly ugly. I know that very, very, very many people really hate that word, though. Yeah. What about you, Ross? 
Do you like it or dislike it? I'm not wild about it, but I don't I don't particularly hate it. Okay, because this fascinated me because I read more about it. And it's like people who hate moist don't dislike foist or anything like that. It's just that word. So this is one where they're saying it's the um, the aversion comes from the association of, 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 of a moistness as, as an ugly feeling. Because I was going to say the weirdest thing is with moist, the people that dislike moist also disliked words like damp and wet. And here you go into like the, like why is moist, but moist always ranks high on when people are asked to rate words um, on a negative scale. I think there are a couple of reasons for that. I think one is that uh, possibly subconscious bias because of the actual meaning of the word. I also think at this point, so many people have said they don't like that word, that that's just the, the word that pops up for people in their head when they're asked what words they don't like. Mm. I think I think Fletcher's right on that. I had a similar one like his onus. That's come up on a number of lists. And onus obviously sounds like anus, so people don't like it. Yeah. And then I think unctuous, which theoretically isn't that horrible, is also another unpleasant word to people. So I don't know. Drool is another one I know, which makes sense because it sounds like regurgitate comes up fairly often too. Drool doesn't bother me. Regurgitate, I can kind of understand. It's got the g and the tit in it. And what was the one you said before that, Ross? I think unctuous, did I say? And that one does bother me, partly because I know what it means, but also that, I mean, those sounds are not good. Unch. Those aren't good sounds together. No, it's interesting. There was something, uh, apparently that back vowel, the uh, that you form deep down in your, you know, the back part of your mouth, apparently that's normally seen as a fairly ugly word. In which case we go back to F-U-C-K, because that's got the uh, ending, the, the plosive ending and the uh sound to it. So it doesn't sound very pleasant to us in a normal way. Right. I don't think the word function sounds very nice either. No. No. Pulchritude comes up a lot. I think it was it. Um, who was it? David Foster Wallace had chosen that as the worst, just the ugliest word in the English language once. I believe. And we're kind of getting to the same place, right? I mean, we've got lots of stops there. We've got the plosive. We've got uh, whatever cut is. Yeah, I mean, and, and the we've t- got the, the, uh, the uh sound as well. Yes. I mean, it definitely seems like what you said sort of toward the top is that having um, more uh, fluidity in the word definitely seems to make it sound prettier to us. And so here's here's what I wonder I I would love to see a large study over many languages from native speakers, you know, talking about their uh, the words that sound the most beautiful to them. And I would like to know if the words that sound most beautiful to them are words that have that fluidity in comparison to other words in their own language. So you mentioned some Arabic words from an Arabic speaker, and, and you said that a number of them wouldn't necessarily sound so beautiful to us. But within the context of Arabic, are those words more fluid than other words that people might be hearing? Well, the I don't think so, though, because Arabic has a lot of um, vowels between words, short vowels between words. So I'm not really I'm going to have to ask a native Arab speaker, actually. Isn't there a lot of cuz and, and gutturals, too, in it? Well, there, there, there's like the ein sound, which is a guttural. There's a rain sound, yeah. which is a guttural. There, there are like stops. There are also glottal stuff. Arabic also has a problem because in certain dialects you say it one way and in certain other dialects you say it completely differently sounding. But I'm curious. Now. I think that's a good point, Fletcher. I think we should try to check that out. 
Yeah, and it's I I wonder if that's out there somewhere. Certainly, there are plenty of people interested in this sort of thing who would who could have been studying this. Uh, I just yeah, I wonder within the context of one's own language, do you tend toward the more fluid words as the ones that are more beautiful to you within within the context of the words you're hearing every day? I, it makes sense though to me because I'm just looking. I got curious and I was just sort of poking and, and you're, I'm finding a lot of German speakers saying how everybody says German is ugly and they find find it very euphonious. Along these lines, I'm thinking, okay, as English speakers, English speakers tend to pick French as one of them, French and Italian. Aren't those the two that they usually pick as the most beautiful sounding languages? Which again goes to that ease, because there's, there's a, it, when you apply it to English, I'm saying to our ear, the sounds, it sounds like those, the words that we like in English, like mellifluous. But then something. we have the problem that we had a couple of Christmases ago, or many Christmases ago, when I was talking to you, Kathy, and my wife, Sylvia. And I like a lot of Hebrew sounds, and Kathy and Sly both don't like those, the schla sounds. Like, I like the name Shlomo. I don't like schla. I said the Shlomo was I a great-sounding name, name. I'm sorry for any Shlomo who's listening. <laughs> no, no, I think it's a great-sounding name. So, I mean, maybe we, I mean, there must be a huge variety in our in our sounds, too. I also think German, particularly um, German, like Bavarian German, is sort of really cool-sounding, too. I like it. So I don't know. I mean, I think there are different differences how we even hear things as well, individually as well. But I think there probably are. Yeah, and I also think it's contextual, too. Yeah. I, mean, I like German when I was in Germany, and I don't like German when it's like a really, like Hogan's Heroes German. You know what I mean? No, but we can't really give rules to everything. For example, I think with one of the studies doing all these criteria, vowel, short, stress on the first syllable, etc., zoo came out as like one of the worst sounding english words technically but zoo is not very ugly at all tart zoo and jazz all came out as really bad sounding words and they don't sound bad to me at all but i mean that's the problem you can plug these words into a computer and say okay these are bad words or words that don't sound good and all three sound pretty nice to me but that's where we go back to a lot of it also is association a lot of it isn't just the sound i mean when you're when you're saying what's a euphonious word to you it's, it's a combo. And that's why it's also very individual, because what, what I might remember for as a child and something that upset me might end up staying in my mind and that word oh, yeah. reminds me of it. So I'm going to react. Completely. Like PTSD for words or something. Yeah, you know? exactly. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, I, we all have implicit biases, right? And those those form for whatever reason or another. They're going to shape how we feel about certain words, uh, which is also why there's so much variance in all of this and why there's... As as you've said often during this episode and the previous episode when we talked about this, uh, we we have to say over and over it's not all the words like this, but it's thirty percent of the words like this, right? Exactly. Okay, curious. So, what would each of you pick as one of to your mind? Just just like think of a word that you hate. What's a word that you just don't like hearing? I'm just curious what your individual choices would be. I'm putting you on the spot because <laughs> I have no idea what I would pick. <laughs> I, or what kinds it's, of words? It's so hard to separate it from how it's used in the language. I'm having a real hard time thinking of just the, just the sound of a word and what I hate just to mm. hear. I don't like onus. I said it earlier. I really don't like that word. I've always disliked the word. And I don't think it's just the anus thing. I just don't like, I just don't like it. <laughs> I cannot say why. I do not like that word. See, that's interesting because I always kind of liked onus because it sounds sort of like, it sounds, I like those sort of Latin os. I always feel like, I mean, I like the os sounds. I find them like really cool. Not that I like the word anus a ton. I mean, you know, let's be frank here, but 
But I like onus. I don't like anus. I like onus. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. Wow. <laughs> I think we bottomed out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that at your local independent bookstore. Order online if you have to. Also, be sure to check out Kathy and Ross's most recent book, Awkward Moments. That's word, like what we're talking about. Awkward, W-O-R-D. Awkward Moments, a lively guide to the 100 terms smart people should know. And, of course, Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.